Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Well, we've been seeing uh, the image of Christ as King and imagined Him reigning in our hearts and seeing all the consequences of Him truly being King, truly reigning. And we ask this, that it, this be truly concretized now in our life. And uh, we saw also how this reigning in our hearts will be expressed in the way we integrate in our life a true spirit of service, a desire to serve others, give ourselves to for others to really die to ourselves because he reigns not simply by some kind of authoritative power but by the power of service because our life is for others living for others it's the beauty of service a lifelong dedication of service but we understand also that service for it to be truly beautiful, for it to be truly inspiring and true and full in our life, for it to really be something that is affirming and invigorating for us, it must be deeply and profoundly freely embraced. The kingdom of Christ is not, it's not an authoritarian regime but it is tied and anchored in the freedom of the children of God. An expression that our Father liked to use a lot, the freedom of the children of God. And we indeed have been called to freedom, as St. Paul says in his letter to the Galatians. Because by letting Christ reign in our heart, we acquire a truer freedom in order to conquer the slavery of sin. Our Lord said, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. To be his disciples, we could continue and hang in there. We will know the truth, the truth about salvation, the truth about the redemption, the truth about our mission or purpose. And we, when we know that truth, we inevitably embrace it and hang on to it and protect it and keep it. And that task is what truly makes us free because our efforts, our dedication is used for the greatest purpose of all, that it is used in the context of our life and the meaning of our life. But what is this freedom that we are meant to have? We know it's good. We know freedom is good. We understand that. Uh, but what exactly is that freedom that we're meant to integrate <clears throat> or that we're meant to live by? We know when we think about freedom, we know it's not some kind of ability to do whatever I want, to, to do any time I want some, to do something. That's more what our society says. You know, you're free when you can do whatever you want with your body. Uh, you're just free. You're free to choose whatever you want to do. And that notion of freedom is proclaimed uh, by this kind of modern world, anti-discipline, 
approach. It's something that comes out of a, a whim of our own. But we know that true freedom can't really be separated from discipline. How would, how would I define freedom? How would I explain to somebody who didn't know the meaning of that very word? I know the other words, but I don't understand. I've never heard this word before. Freedom, tell me what that is. He's a person from another planet or something, and you're trying to explain to an alien, you know, like, okay, this is what freedom is. And he's listening, okay, explain it to me. Like, I never heard this. I don't have that in my database, you know. He would have to say something like, okay, let me explain it to you. Freedom, Mr. Alien, um... It's, we might be tempted to say, just do whatever you want. No, that's not what it is. Freedom is a strength of character, a hidden resilience within us to do what is good, to do what is true, to do what is noble, to do what is right, and ultimately to do what we ought to do. Oh, okay, to do what you ought to do. In other words, to do what is noble and good and true and, and real and even beautiful. So that means that even if you're impeded by law to do a task that you know is good and that you want, you may be externally impeded by some external power, but you're still interiorly free because in, though you're impeded, not by your will, but by external will, you're still somehow mysteriously free because you're internally free. You're seeking to do the good, the true, the beautiful, the noble, the right, the thing that you ought. Because we understand God doesn't want to control us. He doesn't want these super efficacious robots. We are not expressions of AI saying now from now on everything's going to be made and run by AI there will no longer be any need for nurses or it's all going to be done by AI it'll all be studied according to statistics and your diagnosis will be totally the result of some machine but God doesn't want to control us like that to stifle us to manipulate us to force us to do what he likes to see being done in us he doesn't want to force us to, or to manipulate us to do what he wants us to do. He certainly doesn't want to manipulate us into doing what we don't want to do. Quite the opposite. God will let you do whatever you want as you want to do it. He'll let you do that. That would be because he wants us to do it freely. Even though we could misuse our freedom. You know, parents... It's true, may force their children to eat their food or to come to church when they're very young, even if they don't want to. They don't want to eat their, their, their vegetables. Well, you're going to eat your vegetables uh, because we know it's for their good. And also, well, little children are not fully human yet, right? They're, they're still developing. Obviously, they're human, but they're, they're still growing. Their mind is not developed. They're not able to encapsulate their actions on the base of freedom. So parents want to help them internalize what they're doing, even if they don't like what they're doing. They cannot 
stay at the level of simply doing things because they enjoy it, enjoy it or they like it. It's a very important task for parents to do to help children say, understand that the good is sometimes arduous, sometimes hard to do, it's not pleasant, but we still have to do it. And some children never, never get out of that phase of just doing what they want to do. Some adults, that's why we say they're still uh, immature. I mean, God does not force us to do anything. When was the last time God demanded of you anything? And so, our father spoke about the children, the freedom of the children of God. The father quotes that in his January letter from nineteen, from from twenty eighteen. True freedom of spirit is this capacity and this habitual attitude to act out of love, especially in the effort to follow what God is asking of us in each circumstance. The habitual attitude to act out of love. Habitual attitude. It's a capacity. It's not, we're not free if we do it once. It's a habitual thing. It's a habitual thing. We always get up on time in the morning, even though habitually we want to stay in bed. It'll, it's, it's the purpose of life, to stay in bed, in the warmth of the bed. But we also know the purpose of life is to jump out of the bed and keep at it. And everybody understands that. We feel within the depths of our soul a call to radical commitment. We feel in our soul this thirst for great things. Sometimes the greatest thing we do is jump out of bed. Because the difficulty for a total surrender, a radical Surrender without conditions to our Lord Jesus Christ and the service of the kingdom really lies in that freedom of the children of God. And uh, our commitment and our freedom does not oppose, they don't oppose each other, but they attract each other, they need each other. Let's ask uh, the Lord eh, to help us see where I am not quite free, where I'm still under the aegis of a bad habit, where I habitually do something and I have not overcome myself in an area that I should overcome myself, or rise above my lower tendencies. Maybe I'm not quite free. Where would I not actually be fully free? Where should I change, but I kind of don't want to change for the good? We don't just change just to change. We change for the better, to improve. But maybe, ah, I don't want to change. I don't feel like change is too hard. It's too demanding. I, or lack of hope that if our efforts, we, you know, their efforts would not really be rewarded, that would be a lack of hope. And so our, our goodness cannot be one of appearance. We cannot just look good. Some years ago, during the annual course, I went to Buffalo. It was a bit of a drive, but we thought it would be worthwhile to go down into the USA. And there, we went to Buffalo, and we saw a museum at a church called Our Lady of Victory. And uh, it was a beautiful church with marble sculptures and so forth. And in the basement, there was a, a museum. 
that uh, had lots of photos about this orphanage by a certain Father Baker, who, I don't know what years, maybe in the 1920s or 30s or so, had had this orphanage where all these children were, were hauled up. And the pictures of this orphanage look incredibly well uh, organized. Uh, you see all these beds lined up, uh, everything's perfectly neat. The children are immaculately well-groomed. The nuns in their habits, um, all looking very cheery. Uh, and it's, it's impressive. You see all these little children there smiling. And they're orphans. And they're with their, the sisters and the priests, perfectly dressed. But you look at those photos and you wonder, did that order and that joy really enter into their hearts? Maybe they posed well for the photo. But the key to real freedom is that that love of God entered and that they embraced that love freely and they, that it gave meaning to their lives. You know, there are people who grew up in very Catholic atmospheres and they went to Mass and they received the sacraments and, and then when they got older, they abandoned everything. It's as though... The beauty, the true, the good, the noble never really made it inside their hearts. It just was a question of appearances. In many cultures, that can happen. You cannot really live the faith if not freely. You can live an appearance of it. And perhaps for many cultures, this was the case. It's, I suppose it's okay, the appearance, but it's not, it's not really what our Lord wants. And perhaps that's what our, our founder warned us against false notions of freedom. Perhaps a freedom, for example, just for its own, but is somehow apart from God. That's not the purpose of freedom. Because we are created free, but this freedom, our father used to say, is a risk. Because God made man free, but then he sinned, and he became, as a result, slave to that sin but still fundamentally free. Free for the good, for the true, for the noble, for the great, for this, for the holy. In other words, that freedom that Adam had and that we have been you know, inherited, we have inherited, it hasn't been completely shattered. It's still there. If there was not that freedom, we would never have saints, we would never have altars dedicated to saints. Uh, that wouldn't happen. So it's still there if only slightly damaged or, or broken or scarred. Our father used to say that freedom is fragile. It's fragile. That's why we have to put uh, Christ our Lord at the center of our lives. And to do that, to have him there, we have to contemplate him. We have to see him. Pope Benedict, uh, when he went to Australia in 2008, he made reference to some of the missionaries that had graced the land. I'm not very familiar with these people, but I'm sure in Australia they're well known, like Blessed Mary MacKillop. She was a very famous uh, foundress of some sisters of St. Joseph of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And he, he said that you know, she was a, a great grace to us, Australia. And then he also referred to a certain St. Peter Channel, Blessed Peter Tourot, 
a Papua New Guinea Roman Catholic who had taught uh, catechism and he was criticized uh, he, well he criticized the, the Japanese for their polygamy and on account of that was martyred in 1933 he was only 33 years old and he mentions many others and we also in this country also have our saints but the Pope underlined the fact that the exercise of freedom is founded in faith and that faith then leads to hope which is sent by the Holy Spirit and strengthened by the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is charity is that love of God and he said there's nothing more tragic than the falsification of hope that is a hope that is offered outside of the love of God and that's why to avoid kind of avoid that falsification of hope that is that we hope in things that are not really true goods like we hope in having a peaceful life hope in having a comfortable life hope in having success and all these things or, or merely merely health he asked the people there some questions he said, let me ask you a question. What will you leave to the next generation? It's a very powerful question. What will you leave to the next generation? Imagine if your focus was, you know, I want to have a stable place to live, and I want to be happy, and I want to be good, and I want to be successful, and I want people to like me, and I want to have, uh, you know, nice pierogies every day, and because uh, I like pierogies, and I like uh, this kind of food, and, and hummus, uh, because it's good for you. And I want to have an... Okay, yeah, okay, good. Good, I'm glad you had those good things. But what will you have left? Because your pierogies and your hummus will all have been eaten. He said, are you building your lives on firm foundations? Building something that will endure? Are you living your lives in a way that opens up space for the spirit in the midst of a world that wants to forget God or even rejects him in the name of a falsely conceived freedom? Now, are you opening a space in that society? Is what he's asking, right? A space for the spirit to go in so that we can leave a legacy of the good, the true, the beautiful, the free. He says, how are you using the gifts you have been given the quote power which the Holy Spirit is even now prepared to release within you what legacy will you leave to the young people yet to come what difference will you make it's a, it's a real call to, to responsibility and these are very important questions that we have to ask ourselves he made them to the young people there in the Randwick uh, race course in Australia in 2008, but we must ask them to ourselves. You know, do I really use my freedom just mainly for ourself, myself, or somehow for others? In what way do I truly leave a legacy? Not the legacy in which I am well-remembered and esteemed, and that's it. But a legacy in which my struggles, my efforts, somehow lead to the good of others. How is my freedom truly 
going to impact future generations. You know, to think like that means that we have to think in broad, broad strokes, let's say, in, in, in very uh, magnanimous and idealistic strokes in our life. Because the world needs to be renewed. I don't think there was a time in history that the world didn't need to be renewed. Imagine if you lived in a society where everything, everybody was like tons good, amazingly good, the streets were clean, there was no garbage on the street, everybody just picked up after themselves, there were saints everywhere, the churches were packed, the priests were amazing, uh, there were vocations like billowing out of the buildings, like people were hanging on to the windows, you know? Imagine everybody was so nice, and you'd call them, do you want to come? Yes, of course I'm going to come. And, uh, you know, everybody was amazing. Well, then you'd think, well, what am I doing here? I don't need to be doing all this. But even then you'd need, we'd need the, you know, well, because, well, that's not a, maybe that'll, we won't have to do apostolate in heaven, I guess. I guess that's, well, yeah, we won't have to, well, we will have to do apostolate, but for the people who are still on earth, right? And, uh, and so the society always needs to be renewed. It has to be done with our freedom. There are people who raise barricades for the sake of a kind of a false freedom that justifies their selfish actions. They don't listen, they don't obey, they just want to do what they want to do. And they can maybe at times convince us of the fact that we are not actually in our vocation free. We're just, oh, you're just living there, you're just doing what they're to, you're told. You're just not able to enjoy your life. Maybe, well, that's the little voice that we may hear. I think it was Pope Benedict who used the image of the control tower. The, the control tower of an airport does not have direct control on the action of a plane asking for instructions. You know, pilots, because they're good pilots, they take heed of the information that the control tower gives them about the weather conditions and the landing strip and the state of the runway and other planes in the vicinity, they, they have to follow the permissions of the control tower. The control tower, sorry, you can't land right now. There's too many people on the ground. There's whatever. You can't land now. Even though, I suppose, uh, the plane could land anyway. But that would be a bad use of their freedom because then he'd run into a plane that he doesn't realize is there. Although he would be realizing it because the control tower would tell him. Logically, we know that the guidance given from the control tower is mandatory since so many human lives are involved. No, pilots think, no pilot thinks his freedom is restricted. Neither does he refuse personal responsibility. He continues to be in control of the plane. Well, there's an analogy with spiritual direction and the control tower between what we're told and the way we give of ourselves. Maybe the next time we go to spiritual direction, maybe we have to think, okay, I'm right now a pilot, I'm flying, flying this plane on my own, and I'm told, okay, maybe you just like, like, 
raise the level a little bit. Maybe if you can fly a little bit higher in the area of your prayer. Maybe you can fly a little bit higher in the way you're doing your apostolate. I notice you're like never mentioning mortification. Maybe you can like a few degrees up. And uh, we might think, why should I go a few degrees up? I mean, like, uh, thanks, but, uh, you know, I'm fine. I'm fine right here. And if we don't pay heed to the control tower, well, we may think we're fine, but then, boom, we're going to knock ourselves uh, into, you know, the oncoming plane or something like that. That is, we will not have contributed what we need to contribute contribute when we're asked. Remember that that harsh line that Pilate said to Jesus. So, he said to Jesus, you are a king then? You are a king? Like, you can just picture the mocking tone. Like, Pilate doesn't believe he's king. He's just trying to goad him. So you're a king? Like that. Jesus answered him, you say that I am king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. He didn't say I come into the world to testify the fact that I'm king, but to testify to the truth. Everyone who, on, on the side of truth listens to me. Lord, I am on the side of truth. I want to hear your voice. It's a beautiful, authentic, true actual, demanding, and loving voice that you transmit to me. However, you're going to do it through the gospel itself, through the word of God, through spiritual direction, through the liturgy, in, in the prayer, through others. But maybe there are some sound barriers that are impeding me from hearing your voice. The sound barrier of my fear, the sound barrier of my ongoing activism, Sometimes the biggest sound barrier is my phone. My phone. You know, isn't it awkward to just go to somebody and talk to them and they're looking down at their phone and they're saying, yeah, 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 sure, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. Okay, no problem. And they're texting away and you get the distinct impression they have no idea what you just asked them. Because they're in a sound barrier. They're in a sound vortex of of their own mind. And maybe I'm in the sound barrier of my own limited criteria. Not really open to what the Holy Spirit is inviting me to expand to. And those sound barriers of my own pride, they limit my understanding. They limit my ability to contemplation my face-to-face prayer with you, Jesus. Let's ask the Lord to remove those sound barriers that impede me listening to your voice. It's like the the crackling, the the hard-to-hear sound of the control tower and the, the pilot doesn't hear it. And, and of course, the Father, in his letter, mentions a final element of that freedom, which is cheerfulness. Something frequently repeated by Pope Francis. He says, cheerfulness is also a sign of freedom of spirit. 
in the human realm, our father said, I want to leave you as an inheritance, love for freedom and good humor. So that's, that's what he is leaving us. That's his inheritance. You know, we're talking about a legacy. You know, you, you can get inheritance from your parents. They leave you money. Or you take this piece of furniture. You take this. That's for you. That's my... Okay, that's what I'm leaving you. Thank you. Okay. But our Father is leaving us love for freedom, the freedom of the children of God, and cheerfulness. Have I put those two together? Hmm? Guadalupe had that. Don Alvaro had that. Monse had that. So many others had that. The saints had that. Guadalupe had that feminine genius that Pope Francis spoke about. So we ask, uh, well, ask for the beauty, the beauty of this freedom so that we always be truly available. And, uh, you know, th those who only live daily, you know, for this freedom will develop a habitual disposition of availability and, and gift of themselves. And above all, will live that very contagious joyfulness, that, that spirit of happiness, that joy that is so contagious and that the girls here have to see. Ultimately, they'll see that you're not cheerful because you had pierogies. Right? <laughs> you're not cheerful because you saw a cool movie well, yeah, okay, maybe a bit. But the real source of it is that you've made yourself available to God's grace, God's love, the truth for your way. And even though you're uncomfortable, you've got a bad back or a headache, you're still cheerful because your freedom is the freedom of the children of God. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.